You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. blessed to have uh, Pastor Mark Swanson and uh, his wife Regina with us uh, tonight. And uh, Brother Swanson, I've told you this before, but for some of you uh, that have not heard or maybe do not remember, uh, Pastor Mark was my youth pastor when I was a teenager. And uh, we uh, got to do a lot together. I learned so much from him. I'm I'm indebted to uh, he and his wife and their ministry. Of course, my uh, sister, Julie, she was in that youth group. And then we went to uh, Geneseo, Illinois, and uh, then we were able to uh, talk Pastor Mark into coming every summer, and he preached our teen camp. And at that teen camp, uh, that's where you, you've heard of people, like you've heard of some of the crazies like uh, Dan Bybee, right? You've heard of, of him, and um, uh, Lydia Fenera, and uh, Kelly Pinello, and uh, some of those, for you know about some of those folks. And then it was later after that that uh, Brother Nathan Johnson was in some of those teen camps and um, Brother Caleb and uh, Jennifer, and I know I'm missing some, but those are a few of the ones. And then my wife and I, we were out in California, and uh, while we were out there, uh, Pastor Mark would come and preach in the college, preach at our youth conferences, and uh, we are so thankful for him. I had the uh, missionary last night, uh, we uh, grabbed a bite to eat right after the service, and I'm not sure why he asked this question. I don't know if I've ever been asked this question before. But he asked me, he said, uh, how do you choose the the preachers that you bring in for special meetings? And uh, my first answer, this is probably oversimplifying it. I said, well, first of all, I pray about it. You know, it's kind of a good idea to ask the people to come preach that you've prayed about. But then I said, I've I've asked people to come who've helped me. And uh, Pastor Mark has always helped me every time I've heard him preach. And so we're... We're so thankful he's here. Before he comes to preach, I'd like to dismiss the pastor's pals. It's ages four through the third grade. Miss Kelly Pinello and Alexis are going to be with them. So we'll let you be dismissed at this time to go to the fellowship hall. And uh, thank you, boys and girls, for coming to church tonight. There's the birthday boy, uh, Richard, and the other birthday boy, uh, Joseph, over there. Happy birthday to you guys uh, yesterday. And uh, Pastor Mark, we love you. We're so thankful you're here. And uh, let's give him a Victory Baptist welcome as he comes to preach. Come on up. Come on. And we're glad he's here. Thank you, brother. He was right. scheduled. Remember last spring, last we had year. Pastor Mark scheduled to preach. You said, I thought he was here last year. No, well, COVID, we weren't able to have him come, but he's here this year. And we're brother, looking forward to hear from thank him. you so much. I love you, brother Coburnett. And you. I forgot, no shaking hands. I get, I get messed up on that, amen? I'm shaking everybody's hands, and I'm not supposed to. Good to see you. How many love Jesus? Can you say amen? Wow, what a joy to have you all here. Now, I am here, but not all there. I promise you that. And uh, this year I brought my wife with me so she can keep me straight. Is that all right? And uh, what a blessing to be here. I cannot believe we drove down. And uh, what a blessing that is. I I took my wife all the way out to California twice this year. We drove all the way out, all the way back. And uh, that's usually what you do is you drive and come all the way back. And uh, But man, oh man, she's having a good time, I think. But she keeps me in line and I'm so honored that she is with me. Uh, tonight. This is my wife, Regina. Would you mind standing and let's show, uh, I want to show off my wife. She's a wonderful, wonderful, what a, you know what, we are driving, it's okay, can I talk to you for a minute and then we'll preach, all right? Um, I thought Brother Coburn had told me that he always picks out the best looking guys. That's what I thought. He, and then, you know, I, somebody, t- that looks like a fish, doesn't it? Hey, Amen. Brother, I don't know where you get these pictures. But anyways, praise God. My wife and I, we were driving down here. It's so amazing, but where we live, there are plenty, there are a lot of churches. Not enough, but there are a lot of churches, right? But coming down here, we're, we're like on what, 158? Is that a highway, 158? And we're driving down 158, and my wife is going like, whoa, there's a church like every half a mile. I said, no, baby, it's like every tenth of a mile there's a church. And they're all Baptist churches, too. I think we drove by one that said, Hunters and Fishermen's Baptist Church. I said, I'm joining that one, amen. I just couldn't, she couldn't believe it. We were so excited. I mean, it's just, just amazing. 
But thank God for the Victory Baptist Church. And right here, I'm so excited that you're all here, and God is good, and this is a great crowd. And, and I remember I was here a couple of years ago. It was it 2018? 2018, maybe, I think. You remember? And uh, I'm so happy to be back with you tonight, and it is a, it is a blessing. I'm telling you, I have a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of memories with a lot of the people in here. And uh, you've already heard them say, Brother Jeremy's already said it, Brother Coburnett, Pastor Coburnett has already said, but I have a lot of memories with a lot of people in this place. And uh, they're usually, uh, I've had to pull them all out of the gutter and, you know, keep them straight, you know. But I've had some, Brother Bybee back here, Brother Dan Bybee. And uh, we've had some wonderful times. And so my heart, when I come to a place like this, my heart is very sensitive. It's very tender. And I just love it. I, I'm glad to be back in Geneseo. I thank God for it that I can be here to, well, I'm not in Geneseo, am I? But all the folks that I met in Geneseo, Illinois, and to know that they're here in North Carolina, and uh, what a blessing it is to see what God is doing here. I watch online, I watch you online, watch you sing, watch you preach. It's good to be a part of a church that's exciting, amen? That's excited about the Lord, and that's kind of what we want to preach about tonight. And it's a message on my heart. It's not one that I've had together before and just came and brought you a, a, a sermon that was already laid out. What happened was I was driving with my wife on the way down here, and I said, you know what, sweetie, I, I, I've got the Lord just kind of uh, tugging on my heart, and I've just got a message that I want to give Vic, Victory Baptist Church. And, and she said, I'll be praying for you. And, and you know what, I thank God for a wife that prays for you, amen? Now, you pray for her. She's been praying my hair grow back. Now, you keep praying for her, amen? I want answers of prayer around here, amen? <laughs> we thank God. How many others have been praying for that, Amen. I remember one time I had a little kid that was very special, very, very godly. I said, Brother Zach, would you, would you pray that I would get more hair? He, right there, Father God, bless, he's only like eight or nine years old. Father God, bless Pastor Mark, Lord, he wants more hair, even though, Lord, he's got enough. Just leave him alone, Lord. Eight or, eight or nine years of age, amen. Thank God for that. If you have your Bible, would you go to the book of Acts, chapter number Acts chapter number, uh, uh, somewhere around here, I know it's in the Bible, Acts chapter number four, Acts chapter number four. Now, I, I'm so glad I brought my wife here tonight because she will keep me in line, but uh, she might end up getting running with me sometime, all right? I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but I thank God for a good wife, amen? The Bible says, uh, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a... Well, you said it, and that's because the Word of God said I thank God for a good woman, Amen. And if you're happily married, can you say amen? amen? And you have a good wife, can you say amen, man? And I tell you what, I thank God for my wife that she can be here, but now she'll keep a hold on me, that's for sure. All right, so she's got a leash that can only go so far, and she'll jerk me back in when I get out of hand, amen? But you know, I, a lot of memories go around here, and Mrs. Coburnett, I'm so glad I could bring my wife to see Mrs. Coburnett. And Mrs. Coburnett, what, what, what year did you come to the Berean? Is it okay if I chat for a little bit, everybody? I don't want to make it. When was the first time you came to the Berean Baptist Church? Do you have any idea? That was a long time ago. 19, Brother Jeremy? 1980. So our hearts with Mrs. Colburnett go way back. I mean, way back. So we have a lot of cherished memories, amen? Aren't you thankful that you can have memories with God's people? And my wife and I, that's why it's so special that I could bring my wife because we just get to spend time with Mrs. Coburnett. Now, her husband, Brother Joe Coburnett, it's really kind of amazing. What a great friend of mine he is. And now I'm going to tell you this, but every day, every day I thank God for Joe Coburnett. Every day of my life, I say, thank you, dear God, that you let me know Joe Coburnett. And I ask God this. I don't know if he does, but I say, will you greet Brother Joe for me? And tell them thank you for the impact they had on my life. Every day I thank God for that, for that good man. Now, Brother Joe, when he was young, he was kind of, you think I'm not all there. He wasn't all there back in the day. And Brother Joe, I mean, when I was when we were kids, he came up to me one time and he goes, Hey man, you've ever heard this song? I said, What song? He goes, What can wash away your sin? You know what he said? Nothing. <laughs> what can make you whole again? Nothing. <laughs> That's the kind of guy that he was. He was just a crack up, and what a wonderful, wonderful man. But my hearts and my memories with all these guys around here, my man, brother. Hey, what's your name? Mark. Mark. All right, brother, here's 20 bucks. I want you to go out and get you a sticker with my name on it. Amen. Mark. <laughs> Praise God. Wow, what a blessing. God's good. Amen. All the time, God's good. Anybody else need 20 bucks? 
All right, you change your name, Mark will be fine. I'll meet you after service, amen. Well, I thank God for the great time. And Brother Cormanette, I'm honored that you would allow me to come. I promise you I won't be too, too short tonight. Amen. <laughs> I promise you I won't be real long. But God put something on my heart, and I just went back to the room, and we got to the beautiful room, and thank you for the, the beautiful house. My, it's unbelievable. Thank you for the swimming pool, the jacuzzi, and the sauna. It's just really amazing what God's doing around here in North Carolina. I took pictures of this. I'm taking it back to Berea. Amen. But thank God for all. God's blessing this church. Amen. Is that all right to be blessed by God? Amen. I think God deserves first class. How about you all? I think God deserves first class. And so let's just give him glory. Amen. But thank you so much, Brother Colbert, for letting me come here. Matter of fact, I was going to tell you, Mr. Colbert, we were driving in and we saw a road named Preacher Joe Road. Have you ever seen that? Anybody seen Preacher Joe? Preacher Joe Road. I thought, Lord, how amazing that is to be coming down here. And Brother Preacher Joe Colbert, my dear, dear friend. Well, I thank God for the Word of God. Acts chapter number 4. Would you mind standing for just about an hour and a half? Well, we'll get right through it. Acts chapter 4. How many love Jesus? Can you say amen? amen? Oh, he's been good to me. I hope he's been good to you. Amen. Oh, I've got something to say tonight that I just felt like God wanted me to say. And we're going to say it and be done and go have some chicken. Amen. I don't, maybe not. But Acts chapter number 4, if you will, look at verse number 13. The Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and beholding the man which was healed. Man, an impotent man was healed. A lame man was healed standing with them. They could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go, up, go aside of the, out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For that, that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them is manifest to all them that uh, dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing, how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. You know, Victory Baptist Church tonight, I am honored that I could come to this great place. I don't take in my age anymore, I don't take things for, for granted too much. I thank God that we get to be able to go to church. Aren't you thankful to go to church? I thank God that we get to be able to be with believers. And what we've all been through this last year, isn't it a joy just to come and see God's people once again? It's good to be together. What a crowd on a Monday night. And I thank God for all of you. But you know what's amazing is, is that in this generation, wouldn't you all say that in this generation, the world that you and I live in, there needs to be a church that has some power. There needs to be a church that has some fire. There needs to be a people that are serious about serving Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And I believe that at this generation, this time, I believe that somebody's going to have a revival in their heart. I believe that there's a church that God wants to use. Why not Victory Baptist Church? I, I believe God wants to touch somebody. Why not the people in this auditorium? And I, I I believe God wants to do it now, but why not tonight? Why not in this year? Why not in this generation? Why not now let God touch us in this place tonight? Amen and amen. Father, I pray now that you bless this great church. Lord, it's amazing that I get to come here, and I thank God for Brother, Brother Jeremy Coburnett, the Coburnett family, and what they mean to me. And the Lord, all my dear friends that are gathered together here, that for years, dear God, we have known what it is to see the power of God fall, and we have known what it is to see the hand of God uh, work in our lives and call people to preach and save the sinner and set the church on fire. Dear God, we've been there. And now, dear God, I would pray. I don't want to waste anybody's time tonight. So, Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking that you would fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet from the inside out. I need your power. I need your touch, dear God. I don't want to waste anybody's time. But, dear God, you know in this generation, in this hour, Lord, I'm looking for a church. And I thank you, dear God, for the Berean Baptist Church and the fire that you have set there. And, Lord, I thank you for what you have done. But, dear God, I'm praying tonight for this church, the Great Victory Baptist Church. Church. Oh God, I pray that this church would have the fire of God fall upon this place and 
that there'd be a man here, dear God, that would never be the same after this week, dear God. I pray that there'd be a young person, dear God, that would say, I'll never be the same after this time. And dear God, this is the hour. This is the time. We don't know how much time we have left before you come, dear God, but I would pray that you'd set our souls on fire tonight. And Jesus, we promise to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I'm so happy that you're here. I want to preach tonight on this subject and what's going on here in the book of Acts. There was a church that was set on fire. Is it okay if I come walking around a little bit? But there was a church that was set on fire. It was the church in Jerusalem. And what happened was they had so, so much excitement about people getting saved and people getting born again and following the Lord. They were so excited about it. They couldn't shut up about it. And the church began to grow and grow and grow. And that church church in Jerusalem, they said that quickly, that church all, uh, uh, very, very quickly went over 100,000 members in that church because it was so exciting. Uh, is this church uh, ready for the fire of God to fall on this church? Uh, does this city need the fire of God to fall? Uh, does this city need a church that's fired up? Uh, is this city need somebody that loves Jesus so much uh, that we can spread the word and watch this thing just set on fire? I'm looking at a great group of people tonight that I believe love Jesus with all your heart but I think the time is now would you help me would you be with me would you ask oh God would you set our souls on fire in Jerusalem it was so hot it was so exciting people the word began to spread and they began to just be filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God and the word spread so much that there were many people that were getting saved just by the scores and yet what came with the the, 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 the salvation and the growing of the church was people began to persecute the Christians right there at Jerusalem and so the word began to spread and they were the, the, the disciples the Bible says were scattered abroad but there in Jerusalem it was a heavy time it was a time of persecution because there were a people that were serious about serving Jesus you know what I'm seeing today in this hour you and I I believe that because of what we've all been through this last year I believe that God is preparing a people that want to really get excited and really get serious about serving Jesus Christ and I, I'm looking at this church, if there's ever a church that we could look at as an example, it would be these people in Jerusalem. Now they're going through a great revival, and yet they're going through a great time of suffering. They're going through a great time of persecution. I want to preach tonight on the reflection of revival. The reflection of revival. What does revival look like? What does revival look like? I've heard stories about it. I've heard people preach about it. I've been in places where the power of God fell and the fire of God falls upon a group of people. I've been there. I've been at camp times. We wouldn't even get out of service sometime till two in the morning just because the fire of God fell on that group of young people. And that's what I'm longing for churches, not just camps and not just young people, but I'm asking God, let the fire fall upon a church today in this generation, a mama, a daddy, a young man, a young lady, let the fire of God fall upon a grandpa, a grandma, because every person is valuable to the cause of Christ. Can I get an amen in the house? Every person is valuable. The reflection of revival. So driving down here, Brother Coburnett, these are the thoughts that Jesus gave to me. I want to give them to you. Number one, the reflection of revival. What does it look like? Number one, I want you to know they knew the presence of, of the Savior. They knew the presence of the Savior. Would you, would you look at verse number 13, Acts chapter 4, verse number 13? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Isn't it amazing, everybody, what people think of Christians? A lot of this world thinks Christians don't know what they're talking about. They don't think we are educated. They don't think we're learned. They think we're a little loose on top. They think we're a little crazy. And now Peter and John, they're preaching with boldness. They're talking with boldness. They thought they were ignorant, man. They marveled. And now watch the next phrase. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. You know something, everybody? Revival will not come 
unless we spend time with Jesus. The first step of a revival is that a church has to spend some time with Jesus. Singers can't sing unless they spend time with Jesus. Ushers can't take the offering until they've spent time with Jesus. Preachers can't preach until they've spent time with Jesus. You can't play an instrument. You can't drive a bus. You can't go visiting until somebody knows that you've been with Jesus. Hallelujah. You know why we don't have revival is because people don't want to spend time with Jesus. If we're ever going to see the power of God fall, if we're ever going to have a revival, somebody has to get serious to the point and say, I will not preach. I will not teach. I will not sing. I will not perform until I've been with Jesus, my friends. That's the key. They had been with Jesus. Revival will come when we're accused of being with Jesus. You know what happens when you're with Jesus, everybody? You get a new fire. When you're with Jesus, you get a new zeal. When you're with Jesus, I'll guarantee you, if this entire church took some time to be with Jesus before Sunday, I'll guarantee you, you'd walk in here with a new excitement. You'd walk in here with a, a praise on your heart, a song on your lips, a spring in your steps saying, oh God, I can't wait till the preacher starts preaching. I can't wait till the fire falls. I can't wait till God gets in this thing. I'm saying to my dear friends tonight, oh, may we all say, oh God, would you please, would you please send revival? Would you let me experience it? Would you let me know it. I know what's happening in our country. And so many of us get discouraged in the day we live in, but we still have a Jesus that's sitting on the throne. Amen. I heard the story about these three motorcycle men. They came into a restaurant. When they came into that restaurant, they saw a little scrawny man sitting at the counter. They began to pick on him and tease him, began to mess with his food. All of a sudden, that guy got up and he said, ah, paid his bill, and left. Those three big bikers, they sat there and talked to the waitress. They said, man, that guy's a wimp, isn't he? That guy's a sissy. That man ain't much of nothing, is he? The waitress said, I don't know about that, but I know one thing. He's not much of a driver because he just ran over three motorcycles out in the parking lot. <laughs> you know what? He may have looked scrawny. He may not look like he had the talent or the ability, but he was still the truck driver. Amen. Can I say everybody today, listen, uh, this world may seem out of control, uh, but Jesus is still driving the truck. Hallelujah. Jesus hasn't given up on us. Uh, Jesus hasn't given up on you. Pooch lips. Amen. Jesus has not given up on us. Let's not give up on him. I'm begging the church tonight. May we know what it is to be in the presence of God. Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you been there? Don't get off your knees until you know that God has spoken to your heart. They had been accused of being with Jesus. Our classes, our bus routes, our homes, our marriages, our soul winning, it all changes when we dwell in his presence. I'd like us to come to the point where you don't have to go to church, but we get to go to church. My wife and I, we have one son, one child. His name is Elisha. We brought him up every Sunday when he was a little squirt in a baby chair in the back seat facing the other direction. You know what I'm talking about? Every week we'd go to church. We'd say, Elisha. He said, I said, Elisha, he kind of still talks like that. He's 20. Pray for him. Amen. I said, Elisha, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. Every Sunday that we took Elisha to church, every Wednesday we took him to church, we would say the same phrase over and over again, Elisha, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church, praise God. I'm saying to this great church, would you help? Would you help your pastor? Would you say, dear pastor, you can be guaranteed that there's going to be a person in my home that's going to be on my knees crying out to God. I want to be, I want to be accused of being with Jesus. Is there anybody in this place? Is there any Anybody in this house that would say, I want to be accused of being with Jesus. Amen. Yes, yes. 
Teenagers can be with Jesus. Young ladies can be with Jesus. Choir members can be with Jesus. Bus workers and Sunday school teachers and Christian school teachers and preachers and pastors and evangelists can be with Jesus. Amen. I'm saying, my dear friends, tonight, I'm begging the crowd, would you be? Would you be with Jesus? Horace Greeley said this. He said, it is impossible mentally and socially to enslave a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. Can I say it again? It is impossible mentally and socially to enslave a Bible-reading people. You know why people hate this book? Because if we read it, they're not going to enslave us, amen? It is impossible mentally and socially to enslave a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. You want to know why the freedoms of the United States are being taken away? It's because we have disappeared from the precious Word of God, my friend. I want freedom back. How about you? I want freedom back. I say, my dear friends, you know who wrote that? You know who he was? He was a journalist from 1811 to 1872, a journalist penned those words. Wouldn't it be good if we had a journalist like that today? Amen. Praise God. I want to say secondly, not only that, but I want to say not only did they have the presence of Jesus, but they had a passion for souls. They had a presence with the Savior, but they had a passion for souls. If you look at verse number 14, the Bible says, And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. You know, when somebody's had a glimpse of Jesus, when somebody's had a touch from the Lord, I say, thank God you can't deny it. Amen. Is there anybody in this place that you've been saved out of the pit of your sin? God has put your feet on a rock to stay. He's put a new song in your heart and you're glad about it can you say amen tonight I'm saying oh God oh God let the fire of God fall they couldn't shut him up because it was so glorious oh saying that what shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it verse number 17 but that it was spread no further among the people let us straightly threaten them that they speak thenceforth to no man in this name. Verse number 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, God judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I love that verse. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They had a passion for soul, for souls. God was showing himself powerful. Oh, my dear friends today, I want to see God show himself powerful in the lives of men and women and boys and girls and teenagers where the filthy and the dirty and the rotten and the down and out would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Mamas and daddies and drug addicts and alcoholics and husbands that beat their wives and broken homes. I'm praying that God would bring souls to Jesus Christ in 2021. They couldn't help but talk about him. They couldn't help but mention his name. They said, you got to shut up. You can't tell anybody about him. But they said, hey, if you got what I got, brother, you can't keep your mouth shut. You got to keep telling people about Jesus. I'm saying, my dear friends, today, is anybody in this place happy tonight? Amen. You getting tired yet? I'm getting there. Amen. I'm just saying, my dear friends, 
We need to speak the name of Jesus. If we could just get out into a lost and dying world and let them see somebody that's excited about being saved, that doesn't come to church, waiting for the preacher to bless them, waiting for the preacher to give them something special. I'm saying tonight that if we could all come sitting on the edge of our seats and I can't wait to talk about Jesus. I can't wait to talk about what he's done for me. I can't wait to talk about even though 2020 was a bad year in a lot of people's eyes, God's still been good. God's still been good. This past year in 2020, we had to find a place to go to camp this year because we, we couldn't go to where we normally go. They were shut down. Praise God, we went to Triple S in Arkansas. And Brother Coburn, that what happened this year at Triple S. We had more of our own young people walk the aisle. I'm talking about deacons, deacons' kids. I'm talking about staff members' kids that walk the aisle and trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm telling you, some of our even Bible college tonight, as I'm preaching there, they're in Bible college tonight, but all because uh, their hearts were tender, their hearts were ready. I'm saying, my dear friends, today, when was the last time we've seen a movement of God? Is there anybody here that would like to see a movement of God? Is there anybody here that God's done something so good for you uh, that you can't shut up, uh, that you can't keep quiet? Is anybody happy about that tonight? I'm saying, my dear friends, tonight, what this world needs in a, in a discouraging day is somebody that knows who Jesus is. They spend time with them, and they're concerned, and they're burdened about their souls, my dear friend. That's what will bring a revival. Revival was taking place because they spent time with Jesus. They couldn't stop talking about him. This past year, like your church, like ours, we've had video services. We've had drive-in services. We've had the same thing. Three weeks ago, we had a lady in her 80s, three weeks ago, Brother Colbert, that, that stepped out on a Sunday morning and walked the aisle and knelt at the altar, and Jesus saved her soul that morning. In her 80s, can I say Jesus is still saving people, my friends? He's still saving people. Who do we know that Jesus can save? He's still saving people. Is there anybody that can get excited? Once you get in his presence, you can't help but speak about him. He's so good. He's so wonderful. Let's go tell somebody. If they tell us we can't do it, let's tell them anyhow. Amen. Tell them anyhow. 2020 was a discouraging for anybody. You don't have to answer that. In 2020, did anybody see defeats? In 2020, were there tough days? In 2020, did you wake up going, what's going to be the news today? But you know what, my dear friends? God's still driving the truck, amen. Still driving the truck. Still driving the truck. 2020, when all of this COVID hit, my dad's been, he was in a nursing home, 24-7 care facility. It got to the point where my wife and I, my Older brother couldn't do it every day, every hour, couldn't do it anymore. So we found a professional place that would let him come and live there in a beautiful, had two big rooms, a walk-in closet, his own restroom, beautiful place. They took him, put him in there. And when COVID hit, they called us and said, you cannot come and see your father. It's closed, it's shut down, you cannot see him. You can try to call them, and we would try to do that as much as we could. I'd try to call them every day if I could. I tried it every day. Not always would he answer. The first month went by, and he said, Mark, when is this going to end? I said, I don't know, Dad, but it's going to end soon. The next month went by, and he said, Mark, when is this going to end? I said, I don't know, Dad, but it's going to end soon. The third month went by. They called us up and said, your dad has covid we said, how in the world did he get COVID on a lockdown in his own room by himself? They said that a nurse came from Chicago and gave it to him. 95 years of age with COVID. They took him to one hospital. The hospital said he's too well to be in this hospital. You got to take him back. 
They took him back to the nursing home. They said, he's too sick. You can't keep him here. They took him to another hospital. They brought him back. They said, he's too, he's too well to be there. They took him back to the nursing home. Finally, the nursing home put him over into a COVID unit, into another nursing home. He sat there all on his own. He sat there alone. He sat there brokenhearted. He sat there without people, with nobody being able to visit him, with COVID, not knowing that the next breath he would take would be his last. Mark, when's it all going to end? Praise God, he beat COVID, amen. He beat COVID. They sent him back to the nursing home. They said, you can come and see him through the screen door. We went through there. We went out there. We saw him through the screen door. We saw him through the screen door on Father's Day, June 21st, face to face, watching him. June 28th. The day before we left for camp where all those kids got saved, it was over. It was over for my dad. Mark, when's this going to end? June 28th, 2020. My dad was full of fire. Most of these people that are in this auditorium today from Geneseo, would you raise your hand, everybody, that came from Geneseo? Most of them were at Geneseo because of what God did at Berea Baptist Church through a man that had a vision to start a church in 1953 that said, I've been with Jesus. It's all about telling people about Jesus. He went home to heaven on June 28th, and it's all over for him. But I say, thank God, somebody's got to stay behind and get the job done with Jesus. Amen. I want to know who is it tonight that you know, that doesn't know Christ. So who is it tonight that needs to get saved? There were two young girls that we were visiting on our bus routes through this COVID mess. They sat about three rows back. They were sitting about right there during the service. One service after church, they were so much under conviction. They were crying. They were weeping. And they went to a worker and they said, we want to get saved. They stepped out that day in 2020 when everything shut down and they came to Jesus. Let me tell you something there in church, every time they can be there praise God you know why because we can't shut up about speaking about Jesus amen can't shut up can't shut up speaking about Jesus how about when they don't listen do you tell them anyways tell them anyhow tell them anyhow I have a friend that has a brother named Jason he said he went to Jason's house went to the family's house and he had pretty much led all of his family members to Christ. Jason was not saved. He went in that house and they were all looking at him and kind of saying, come on, tell him, tell him. He began to tell Jason about Jesus Christ that day. He looked at Jason, he said, Jason, the life that you're living, it's not one that you can get to heaven. Would you give your life to Jesus? And he tried talking to him about Jesus. And Jason walked over to the light switch in the room and he shut the light switch off and all the lights went off and he said, that's what I think about God. That's what I think about your God. When death happens, life is gone. It's just like this light switch. It's gone. It's over. There's nothing more. It's done. He turned the light switch back on and he began to cuss his brother and curse his brother. Three days later, my friend's sister came up missing. They went to find her, couldn't find her. They went to her apartment. The brother knocked on the door. The door was open, so he turned the knob and opened it. The TV was blaring. Three days later, the TV was at full blast. That man walked over to that TV set, and he was getting ready to turn it off. And when he began to turn it off, over on the couch on his left, he didn't notice when he walked in, there was Jason. Three days before, said, this is what life's about. This is all God is. And he hit the light switch and turned it off and said, that's what God is. That man shut that TV off. As soon as he shut that TV off, Jason over on the couch springs up. And he goes like this. He said two words, in hell. And he collapsed and went to hell. Some days later, they couldn't find Melissa. They ended up finding Melissa that had overdosed with drugs. Two of them in just a short matter of time. But do we tell them anyhow? 
Let me tell you, my dear friends, today sometimes we get nervous and sometimes we get scared because we think people won't listen. But if we spend time with Jesus and they can see that somebody's happy about the Lord, I'm saying, my dear friends, somebody's got to tell them anyway. Somebody's got to tell them anyway. Somebody's got to tell them anyway. We need to tell people about Jesus. May church, may this church be set on fire. May this church be set ablaze because you've been... Every program in this church would be revived if we spent time with Jesus. Every one of them. Homes would be set on fire if we spent time with Jesus. Teenagers would be set on fire if we spent time with Jesus. This whole church would be set on fire if we just spent time with Jesus. And you know what? It doesn't take very many. It was just Peter and John. They've been with Jesus. It was just Peter and John. I wonder if there's a Peter and John in here today that would say, I don't know about everybody else, but as for me, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And you can't shut me up. You can't shut me up. The story's told from Brother Trever, where Brother Colbert and I went to college. They run their buses like we all do. When these girls were young, they came on the buses, and they came for many years. The older one got saved and went to Bible college at Golden State and graduated from Golden State Baptist College. The 20-year-old is studying to be a nurse, loves Jesus with all of her heart. She came to North Valley Baptist Church and got saved. She got sick during COVID one year ago. They told her that if she's going to live, they're going to have to take off the arm. And so she said, take it off. They said, if you're going to live, we're going to have to take your other arm. And she said, take it. They came back and said, now, if you're going to live, we're going to have to take your left leg. And she said, take it. And they came back and they said, if you're going to live, we're going to take your other leg off. And they took both of her arms and both of her legs I don't know if she's alive today, but praise God for some bus worker that went by that house and knocked on that door and said, you can't shut me up. Somebody's got to know about Jesus. And she lays in that hospital for one year just like that because, let me tell you something, somebody told her about Jesus. She is heaven bound. Praise God, she's heaven bound. I wonder today, I wonder today, church, you know, I, I can run up and down an aisle. I can high-five and give out 20s. And I can have fun in church. Can I tell you something? It's more than that, isn't it? It's about being in his presence. My wife today, she told me, in order for me to preach tonight, she, she, she was going to go into her prayer closet and spend time in prayer. For this service tonight, every day of my life since we've been married, we've been married two years now. <laughs> but every day, every day since we've been married, watch this. Every day since we've been married, we kiss. No, that's not what I was going to say. But every day, that's a good one, isn't it, though? Amen. <laughs> but every day when I wake up or when I come home or I start my day, I can always find my wife in her secret place. For 38 years, it's been the same spot. For 38 years, it's a guarantee that when I go to that spot, in that first time of the morning, she's spending time with Jesus. Can I tell you what? I'm loving being married, everybody. You know why? Because I have a wife that spends time with Jesus. I have a wife that loves telling people about Jesus. Let's set the church on fire. Can God set the church on fire tonight? We spend time in his presence with the Savior. We're passionate about souls. And then I want to say, lastly, we're going to go have, go have some pizza. Amen. Pizza or chicken, I don't know, but it all sounds good right now. Amen. I want you to notice, lastly, the, the first point is they were in the presence of the Savior. The second point is they were, they had passion for souls. 
listen. Anybody in here, can you say they were having revival? Can you say yes or no? How many think this church was in the middle of revival? Can you say amen to that? They were in the middle of an incredible revival. But here's where the rubber meets the road. I want to spend time with Jesus, don't you? I love it. I love getting in that prayer closet and crying out my eyes out to God. Oh, God, I need you. I need your power. I need your touch. I need you to help me. I need you to help me be a good husband, a good father, a good pastor, a good soul winner. I cry out for God. Oh, God, please. Let me be a good employee. Let me be a good employer. Let me be for you, Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. But this is the point that I think America is at today. Verse number 17. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. I don't like COVID. COVID has made all the rules for us. Have you noticed? Made all the rules. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I picked up an article about a man in Canada, a pastor in Canada. Did you hear the story? Anybody hear the story about the pastor in Canada? The pastor in Canada, they came to him and said, unless you follow all of these guidelines, you cannot meet in your church. You must close your church. He said, according to this book, I can't, I got to figure it out. But according to this work, this book, we're supposed to meet. So they arrested this man in Canada. And they put him in prison. They came to him and they put him before the court. And the judge said this to that man. They, he said, sir, if you will stop going on your church property, and if you'll quit calling your congregation to worship, you will be a free man. And he said, sir... I cannot do that. He said, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. I'm a shepherd of a flock. And those church doors, as long as I'm alive, are going to stay open to the glory of God. He's still in prison today. His wife said the other day that prison is what it is. Lack of sleep, lack of food, and all the other things that go on in prison. And that's what that man's facing. He's paying the price for somebody. Whoever thought in our generation that we'd be told you can't go to church? Whoever thought that? I mean, even if we're willing to do all of the precautions, there's no place like church. Place like church. People get saved at church. People get called to preach at church. The, the wayward come back at church. They said you can't go to church. Was that weird or not? Yeah. It was weird. And these men said, we cannot but help to speak his name. Verse number 21. Verse number 20, the Bible says, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now watch this. So when they had further, what's the next word, everybody? So when they had further threatened. I'm asking us as a church tonight I'm going to preach on this probably tomorrow night nobody knows when Jesus is coming am I right? How many believe Jesus is coming? Can you say amen? amen. We don't know when he's coming and if we're going down these days like we've seen them already, can you imagine what we might face? 
Whoever thought in America that the mask, and I'm for them, would be more important than everything else that we do? It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, people hate people. Have you, has anybody experienced this? I mean, people hate people. Just like the scriptures say. Father's going to come against son, and son against the father, and neighbor against neighbor. Now you can report your neighbor if they're not following the guidelines. Am I right about it? Am I, that's what's happening to us. And so what is it going to take for us to be on fire for God? I'll tell you in this day, listen, please. What it's going to take for us in the next, in the next days and months and weeks ahead while we wait for the next great event to take place to save all of us out of this mess. What's going to have to happen is this. There has to be somebody that says, I'm going to spend time in his presence. And it has to become the most important thing that we do in life. We've got to know Jesus more than we've ever known him before. If you're going to have to have strength and power and courage to live in this day, you're going to have to spend time with Jesus. We're going to have to tell somebody about him. I'll tell you, did I give you the last point yet? Here it is. They face pressure for their surrender. They faced pressure for their surrender. You think I like preaching about this? I don't. I don't even like mentioning it. But these men right here said, we don't care what you do. We're going to speak on anyhow. We've been so much with Jesus. We're going to speak on anyhow. But because of it, they face pressure for their surrender. You know what I believe? Is that Brother King? No, that's not right. Are the kings here? Kings? Am I right? Queens? Who are they? Rooks? Knights? I don't know. Y'all look so familiar. But I think what's going to happen if, if Jesus tarries, I think we're going to have to face some pressure. Are y'all with me tonight? I think we're going to have to face some pressure. But these men were so close to Jesus. Guess what? Both of them ended up giving their life for the Savior. What would we say tonight if they came in this auditorium and told us that we couldn't come to church or you're going to jail? Which one would we choose? Which one would we choose tonight if they said you can't stand behind a pulpit and preach? Which one would we choose? Would we preach on? Which one would we choose? The pressure in our world today is so hidden what's going on to Christians. Have you heard about it? In one foreign country, they burned down the churches in that foreign country. The Christians in that church spread and went out to the pastor's house out in the countryside. There were 50 of them that fled. And those 50 people, they hunted them down and burned that house to the ground and took all 50 lives because they wanted to be with Jesus. In Pakistan... So many times the persecution is so real, but we never hear about it. In Pakistan, a couple years ago, in 2019, about this time of the year, a little 15-year-old girl went to a prayer meeting. She got into that prayer meeting with the other believers there and was having a great time with Jesus. And when she came out of that prayer meeting, there was a group of young people and they began to laugh and mock her because they were of another religion. And they began to laugh at her and mock her and make fun of her, 15 years of age. And they started punching her and kicking her and hitting her. And they said, where's your Jesus now? Where's your Jesus now? Where's your Jesus now? They kicked her so hard and hit her so hard that she fell to the ground. And when she fell to the ground, the, the boys around began to kick her in the ribs and she was screaming for her life. And they began to laugh and mock her. 
And one boy in the crowd had a can of gasoline. He came up and sprinkled a couple, a couple drops of gas on that girl. And they struck that match and lit that girl's clothes on fire while she screamed for her life. And they continued to kick her and beat her while she was screaming for her very life at 15 years of age. And then that boy with the gas can took it and threw the whole tank of gas on her. And she just lit up and screamed to her death. Fifteen. Fifteen years of age, loving Jesus so much that she's going to take the time to go to a prayer meeting when there are people surrounding her that are of a radical faith that put their life on the line and came against that girl and said, we will kill you in their faith's name. You know, where, where's the 15-year-old in this church that would say, oh, God, I want to be for you. I want to be for you. Is my life more dear to me than what he would have me be? Would I gladly lay aside each dream I hold? Could I count my gain as loss and take up my given cross? Am I willing to be spent for Christ my Lord? Count the cost of one soul lost without hope and without God. Death forever in a lake of flaming fire. What's the worth of this whole world when compared to one lost soul? There's a reason to count the cost. Listen, it may cost me suffering in the service of my king. It may be a lonely path I have to trod, but to deeply know my Lord will be my great reward. I will gladly give my all. I've counted the cost. I so much want revival, don't you? I so much do. But you... You know what I decided? I told God a long time ago, I won't play church anymore. I want to be a help to this church, and I want to, I want to preach and run a race while I'm in here. But I wonder tonight, <laughs> is there any way is there any way that a church in Roanoke Rapids would say, I'm done. I'm done playing games with God. From now on, God, you can count on me. From now on, God, I'm not going to walk away. You know that you and I will have an appointment. I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet you in the morning. I'm going to meet you in the evening. I'm going to meet you through the day. Can I tell you, we live in a day and hour where somebody's got to get a hold of God. Am I right? We live in that day and hour where somebody's got to say, no more games, but I'm going to pay the cost. It may cost me suffering in the service of my king. Am I willing to be spent for Christ my Lord? I love Victory Baptist Church. This is a great church, great people, people I know and people I love. I don't think there's anybody here I don't dislike, I think. Amen? Maybe Jake. I'm not sure. But you know what I'm seeing in 2021? The church has just been a convenience for us. But I'm telling you right now, until somebody gets on their face before God and says, dear God, no more games. No more playing church. I don't want to sing. I don't want to preach until I've been in your presence. I don't want to be a husband that doesn't spend time with God. Let me tell you something, husbands. Our wives need us to be men of God. 
It doesn't mean you have to be a preacher, but you need to be a man of God. You know why? Because I am called to be the leader for her in this generation. God expects me to be the man of the house. Praise God. I've got to be somebody that spends time with Jesus for her sake. I've got a 20-year-old a a young man. Mark, I love him with all my heart. If I could right now, I'd pull him out of Bible college just so we could hang out. Man, I would do it. I would. I love him so much. But you know what? I can't be a father to that boy without walking with Jesus. I'm talking about the men tonight in here. Can we lift this church up with prayer? Can we lift this church up and say, oh God, oh God, I want to be, be a helper to my pastor. I want to be a helper to these people in here. We're all going to fight some battles that we don't know where they're at. We don't know what's coming at us. But they're going to come, amen. They're going to come. Wasn't 2020 a shock? Shock. And I'm asking this church, not as a preacher, but as a friend, is there any way that this church <laughs> could fall on your face tonight and say, oh God, I've been playing games. But no more. No more. We're living in serious times. Do you think that? Don't you think those apostles were living in serious times? They gave their life for Jesus Christ. But they said, You can't shut us up. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.